65. We're going to sing all the verses of that. Welcome to Faith Baptist Church tonight. Whether you're here in person or tuning in online, we're glad that you're here. And uh, we are looking forward to what the Lord has for us tonight. Amen. As we begin tonight, I'm going to ask Brother Quinlan, would you pray for us as we begin tonight, please? you would. 
And I just have a few announcements to give to you. Uh, of course, as uh, Brother Quinlan mentioned there in his prayer, be uh, in prayer for your pastor. Uh, of course, they're in Italy, and uh, I don't know how much they've been in communication with you all. I'm sure some, but uh, probably maybe a lot with Emily. You know, you never know. I'm teasing. But uh, uh, he, I was able to text with him just a little bit this morning. They are just having an amazing time and uh, just enjoying themselves. So praising the Lord for that, that they're able to get away and do that. But uh, keep them in your prayers as they'll be gone here for the next couple of weeks. Um, also, we have this Friday our first ball games at the school, all right? So it's going to be at 1 p.m. from 1 to 3 p.m. on Friday. And so any parents, grandparents, uh, friends, family that want to come, I know it's in the middle of the day, um, but if you have time and want to come, we'd love to have you. Be right out here on the ball fields from 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock this Friday afternoon. Labor Day next Monday. There's no, no school next Monday, all right? So everyone make sure you know that. If you bring your children here, they'll be here all by themselves, okay? Because there won't be anybody here with them, and that might be a scary thing for them to be here. All, I don't know. Maybe they'd like it. I don't know. All by themselves, no adult supervision. I don't know. Uh, they might get hungry, though, without any food, but... Um, and then next Friday, or I'm sorry, next Thursday night, next Thursday night. So it's kind of a, an off uh, night for ball games, but we do have ball games again next Thursday night at the school from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., all right? So keep that in mind. We scheduled that on Thursday night because Friday night, the youth are going to Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple for a youth rally, all right? So that's the next announcement. Make sure you know if you've got a teenager in the youth group that uh, they're going to be leaving here at 6.15, I did I confirmed that with Brother Tim tonight, so 6.15 is the leaving time. And uh, when the rally's over with, they're going to be going over to in, uh, 68 Inside Sports for some fun time over there. So they won't be getting back here till about midnight. So he said roughly about midnight, so I'd be here a little bit before that. And uh, that I know having been the youth director, when you're done with nights like that, you're ready to go home. So don't be late, okay? Don't make the youth director mad, okay? Uh, he's going to be ready to go home, uh, and so be here a little early in case he's back a little early. You never know. He may say, you know what, we're done, we're going home, we're going to be here early, and then you want to be here to pick up your kids, okay? So uh, be here at midnight to pick them up. Uh, men, don't forget, if you're going to the Baptist Men's Recharge, we have a sign-up sheet on the left-hand side on your way out. Uh, you must be signed up uh, by this Sunday, this coming Sunday night will be the last opportunity you will have uh, to sign up for that because we have to get all of those forms turned in this week. So uh, please uh, avail, avail yourself to that sign-up sheet if you're going and make sure that you uh, mark on there if you're going to be in the hotel or if you're going to be staying in a bunk because there is a price difference, all right? And we need to have the exact amount of hotel rooms lined up, uh, so please mark that as well. Um, one last announcement for you. Our fall revival is coming up in October, and so the week of the 10th, the week of September the 10th, we'll begin our fasting, all right? So that week is going to be anything of your choice, all right? So we'll begin praying and fasting and preparing our hearts uh, for the fall revival. And, uh, of course, you know, as Pastor mentions all the time, and it's so true, anytime we're getting ready for a big meeting like that, there's a lot of spiritual warfare that begins to happen. And you can say it's coincidence. I think not. In fact, I know not because it doesn't happen a lot until it's time for those meetings, all right? So um, the more we can prepare ourselves and prepare our hearts for the preaching that week, uh, will be uh, better for us, all right? So that week of September the 10th, if there's something that you know takes up a lot of your time, uh, just abstain from it that week. It's your choice. It can be food. It could be a phone. It could be, well, probably not work. Your, your boss might get upset, but maybe something along those lines and, and, and use that time to, pr to pray and prepare 
uh, for the fall revival. So that begins again the week of September the 10th. Let's go and get our prayer list out tonight. And I do have some things I need to mention to you. I've already mentioned, of course, Pastor and, and their trip there, being prayer for them and their safety as they're over in Italy and enjoying that time. But I did want to mention a few other things here tonight. Um, let's keep uh, <clears throat> Brother Randy and Miss Jerry Crawford on our prayer list. Uh, they're really going through a lot of health battles right now. And uh, I know that they would greatly appreciate that, as well as Brother Roy McRae, uh, who's also going through quite a bit of health issues and uh, took a fall again this last uh, Saturday night, wasn't it? Um, and so um, he's doing okay now, from my understanding. But uh, just keep these in your prayers. I was I was thinking about even Miss Christy Wisdom and still recovering from her knee surgery. And uh, I really appreciate her faithfulness, still up here playing the piano and doing everything that she can, even while she's on crutches. But uh, she's home tonight with a, with a bad uh, sinus infection and not able to be here. So um, keep her... Uh, in your prayers as well uh, for, for both of those things. And then Miss um, Marilyn Carr uh, and her mark down here, of course, she just had her wrist surgery and is recovering from that. So uh, keep her in your prayers. And then there's, there's a couple that we need to uh, add to our prayer list tonight. Uh, if you have not heard yet, Mrs. Uh, Ms. Carolyn Moore is back in the hospital. Um, she has come down with pneumonia and also congestive heart failure. Um, but uh, Brother Moore said she is stable and uh, doing okay, but uh, please keep her in your prayers. One other one we need to add, and, and uh, Ms. McCray, correct me if I'm wrong on this pronunciation, but I think it's Sherry, is it Overzat? Is that right? Okay, so Sherry Overzat, um, this is a friend of, of uh, Miss Jean Wiseman, and uh, her uh, brother passed away. So Miss Sherry Overzat's brother uh, passed away, so we need to add her on there for bereavement. Um, if you would do that. Again, that's a friend of Miss Jean Wiseman. We want to also keep our missionaries in prayer. Of course, Miss Jenny Carpenter and the, the uh, unrest over there in Ecuador with the elections and things like that. Still doing well, as far as I'm aware. Um, uh, she keeps uh, a lot of us here, uh, church staff, in a group message and sends us out updates and things like that. And I haven't heard anything negative uh, this week, so I'm assuming everything there is still going, going well. But Keep her in your prayers, and of course, Brother Jack and Miss Lizzie, as they're traveling on the East Coast on uh, a deputation over there, make sure that you keep them in your prayers with all their traveling uh, safety that they'll need and raising support and things like that. And then uh, another one I had on here that I marked down, of course, uh, Brother John Ellis, uh, still looking for a house. And uh, no, no news, new news on that that I'm aware of, but uh, keep them in your prayers. I know that uh, it's, it's a stressful thing, can be a very anxious thing. Uh, trying to find a home, especially in the market that we're in. So keep, keep that family in your prayers, as well as our college students that are down at Heartland. Uh, I've been talking to different parents, and it uh, seems like all the kids are doing well. I think uh, pretty much everyone has a job now um, and doing well. I don't know about Abby. Is she, she doing okay looking for a job still, or is she all right? She, she has a job okay, so they're all settled in and doing well. But keep them in your prayers as they're going throughout uh, the semester and uh, as well as our college students that are back, back to school here locally, uh, just uh, make sure and keep them in your prayers as well. Is there anyone else tonight that has a prayer request, something we can add? Brother Parker.
<laughs> right, that's true. We came home one time through a, uh, uh, the remnant of a hurricane coming up from Florida, and I've never seen rain like that. That was, that was quite interesting. So I'm glad they're safe and doing well. Amen. That is a praise for sure. And you're right, Brother Cotton probably would have been out mowing his grass today. And I think it went a little bit uh, east of your area uh, there anyway, but uh, definitely keep them in prayer. Anyone else tonight has a prayer request or an update or a praise or something we can take off? Anyone like that? All right. Well, let's go ahead and have our men come. And uh, if you, uh, this week, uh, if there's anything that uh, comes up, you have prayer requests or anything you need to add, make sure and and uh, text me those things so I can get them on the prayer list this week, and we'll do our updates and have new lists out for you uh, next Wednesday night. All right? As we go to the Lord in prayer now, I'm going to ask Brother Raymer if you would pray for us tonight, please, sir. Pastor did get to have his Alfredo and his lasagna, so he's doing good there. So. Let's all stand, turn to song number 80. Song number 80. Day by day and with each passing moment, strength I find. Unto each day, what? 
thankful that he's given me the opportunity to preach and I'm thankful that we understand tonight as he always says that the preacher doesn't take the, the the Lord and put him in a little box and take him with him and so we still need him to meet with us tonight amen so let's turn to Psalm chapter 6 Psalm chapter 6 we've been going through the Psalms and uh, brother Tim uh, I was talking to him just the other day he came in my office and needed something and and he said what Psalm are you in because I was sitting there uh, just doing some some final studying on everything, and I said Psalm chapter six, and it seems like we've been in Psalms forever, um, honestly. But uh, most of them have been split up uh, into several different messages. But tonight we're going to do the entire Psalm. Don't worry, you're not going to be here all night. Okay, uh, we'll understand that as we get into Psalm chapter six uh, here in just a few minutes. But let's go ahead and read that together. Psalm chapter six, beginning in verse number one. David, the writer here, he says, "O Lord." Rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee, and the grave who shall give thee thanks. I am weary with my groaning, all the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief, it it waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. There's a change of heart there, isn't there? A change of tone there in verse number 8. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The the Lord will receive my prayer. Let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. Let's pray tonight. Father, again, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you tonight that we can look to it and glean glean from David's example, Lord, and to follow you, Lord, and to... Uh, grow closer to you in, in some ways that David has done here. And I just pray that you would just use me tonight, Lord, uh, to proclaim your word. Lord, hide me behind your cross tonight and let uh, your word shine through. And I pray that it be a help and a blessing to all that are here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing and you may be seated. 
I've entitled the message tonight this. An expected answer to a merciful plea. An expected answer to a merciful plea. Now before we begin in Psalm 6 tonight, I want you to understand a few things. I was even talking with Brother Waters just a few minutes ago, and um, many of the Psalms, especially the first five that we've already gone through, you can get into some pretty deep study. There's a lot of uh, underlying theme, if you will, some background, things like that. Psalm chapter 6 is not really like that. It's pretty self-explanatory. It's pretty just, when you read it, David's crying out to God. But I do believe there are some things here tonight that will really help us uh, tonight. I I believe that God has has given me some things out of here that will really help us. And so I hope that you'll just stay plugged in and listen, and that it'll be a blessing to you. But... As I've started up to each psalm uh, up to this point, I want us again, though, to consider uh, the background and the genre, uh, if you will, of what we're looking at here. Now, many of the psalms, they're, they're easier to figure out. Uh, some are not so easy. This particular one, I don't believe, is anything too difficult to figure out, as I've already said. But um, it, it isn't one that you would necessarily say is real, real deep. Okay. Now, next week, <laughs> we get into Psalm chapter 7. There's a lot of depth in Psalm chapter 7, okay? There's a lot of background there. This one's not really that, in, you know, that case. But when we first began going through Psalms, I mentioned to you that about one-third of the Psalms are what we would call lamenting Psalms, okay? Lamenting Psalms. And so um, we classify those as lamenting Psalms. And so far, we've looked at five. We've looked at five Psalms, not including today's. And three of those out of the five have been lamenting psalms already, okay? And, and this one is the same. It's, it's no different. We see, again, David crying out here. So Psalm 6 is a lament psalm. It's a, one that would have to do with uh, grief or a complaint that's being shown by the author. Uh, something that the author of the, the poem wants to express his, his dislike over or his sorrow over or his hurt over. And that's what's going on here again in Psalm chapter 6. Now, if you've taken notice, either in the past Psalms that we've looked at already, or maybe just in your general Bible reading, you'll no doubt see that many times the author, who who in this case we see to be David, uh, whether he was the king at the time, whether he was the shepherd at the time, whether he was fleeing for his life at the time, um, in whatever time of life that he was, uh, when he wrote it, um, he was complaining a lot about his enemies and, and the grief that his enemies were giving him and the, the struggles and the sorrows and the troubles of, of the wicked people uh, around him. For example, you might remember back in Psalm chapter number 3 that we looked at here a few months ago that David's complaint was about his enemies that were seeking to destroy him and they were seeking to take his kingdom. And of course, we understand this was his son Absalom. That was, that was the key in all of this. And he was, he was getting the, the nation of Israel, many of them, to follow him to take the kingdom away from his father. And again, in Psalm 4, his, David's complaint was about the Israelites. They were being uh, faithless. They were turning to idols instead of turning to the true and the living God. And we looked at that. And these people involved here, uh, they much affected the writings of David. Okay, They much affected David's writings. And he's lamenting, if you will, about the pain that these people are causing him. The, the turmoil that these people are causing him. And he's learning how to deal with it. How to handle it. 
um, how to trust God in and through these situations that he's being faced with through these psalms that we've looked at. But again, as I've mentioned over and over and over already, as we've looked at these psalms, there's a big key in these lament psalms that we cannot overlook. There's a big key, and it's worthy of mentioning again. And that is this, that in every situation that David has found himself in, it's vital for us to note that although David is not perfect, we understand this, he's not perfect, he's human, just like you and I are human. And I say that because, again, many times in our minds, we have a tendency to, to picture people in the Bible as people that had it all together all the time. That, that they understood God's will all the time, that they had it all figured out. But that's not the case at all. These are people just like you and I. They face struggles just like you and I do. They face turmoil just like you and I do. They face temptation just like you and I do. They face selfishness just like you and I do. We can handle it ourselves. We don't need anybody else. I can do it. They face that too. So when we think of David and we think of... Um, the, the, the people in the Bible, we have to understand and remember that they are flesh and blood just like us. Okay? So, I say this because, again, when, when we see David and we see him facing these situations, okay? He's not perfect, but the Bible... God himself calls David a man after God's own heart. Okay? God said that about him. And there's reasons for that. We're going to see some of those reasons again tonight. But it's worthy and necessary to note that in every lament that David has made so far, and you'll see as we continue to go through Psalms, probably until I retire someday, there's so many of them, that David doesn't turn to a self-help book. David doesn't, when he, when he faces problems, he, he didn't go to the internet and Google how to fix it. Okay, um, He didn't go to his friends that would agree with him and take his side. Come on, we have a tendency to do these things. He didn't do these things. He didn't go to a shrink. He didn't go to a psychiatrist. Um, he didn't go to a fortune teller. Um, he didn't preach to you or, or go somewhere where he would get preached to a, a feel-good gospel like Joel Osteen would give. He didn't do that. No, in every situation that he found himself in, he went to the only one that he knew could help him. He turned to God. That is exactly what he does every single time. Now, he might cry. He might weep. He might shed some tears, but who hasn't? He's going through tough times. All right? And, and crying is a way of our body being able to express things. That our sorrow, tears will flow. All right? I like what Pastor always says when a song or something really stirs his heart and he says, I'm not crying. God's just squeezing the juices out of my heart or whatever he says. But the truth of the matter is it's okay to cry. It's okay. In fact... Um, you know, there's been a few times singing specials. I've had some tears show. I'll never forget. Uh, Miss, Mrs. Elda Fott has passed on and gone to heaven now. One of the first times I ever cried when I was singing, um, I, I think it was the end of the service or something, and I said something like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cry and disrupt the song. And 
On the way out, she pulls my tie down. She was short. Pulls me down. She leans into my ear and she said, young man, don't you ever apologize when the Lord's working in your heart. Yes, ma'am. You didn't argue with Mrs. Fox. No, 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 no. She'd pray death on you or something. She was, she was a prayer warrior. But I'm telling you what, we don't apologize for that. Tears are okay. All right? It's okay. And David, we see him crying here. In fact, in studying all this and reading things about the different Psalms, um, one person even said, Jeremiah wasn't the only weeping prophet speaking about David. All right? And it's true. It's true because David, he cries a lot and that's okay. He cried some serious tears. He, he, he cried over his soup, if you will, over and over again. But he always ends up, at the end, turning back to God. Every single time. And going to God for help, not man for help. We can learn a lot from that. Okay? And that includes trying to figure things out on our own. Not necessarily going to somebody, but I can handle it. No, you can't. No, you can't. If we would just learn from this, and even speaking to myself again, if I would just learn from this, and instead of trying to, to figure things out my way, we'd all save ourselves a whole lot of trouble. Now in Psalm 6, we see David lamenting again. Here he is crying again. However, this time it, it doesn't seem to be his enemies that are necessarily the problem. Although he does mention his enemies there toward the end of the chapter. But let me ask you a question tonight. Have you ever been so overwhelmed with things that you just couldn't help but cry? I mean, overwhelmed with things. I can remember there's been times in my life, including back, you know, when when dad was getting sick and things like that, that I would go to the closet, shut the door, and just bawl. I didn't have words. I didn't know what to say. But you know, God knew my heart. And there's times where we find David crying like that. And I, I have a feeling, even though he gives words here, that when David's crying here, he's completely overwhelmed in this instant. But what's he overwhelmed by? Well, we get overwhelmed. Maybe our overwhelming is because of a loss of a job. How am I going to provide for my family? Maybe it's over the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's because of fear or, or guilt of something that's happened or, or debt or danger. Whatever the case, we've all been there where David finds himself in this psalm. So let's not sit back tonight and act like that hasn't happened to us. Don't sit back tonight and look at David and go, oh, what a crybaby. Here he is again crying. Because we've all been there. And my guess is we've all been there more than once. So far we've looked at a lot, and David's been crying a lot, but I think we've probably all been there several times ourselves. But as we read the passage in Psalm 6, even though the underlying theme isn't abundantly clear as to why David is struggling in, in this particular time, it's very clear he is struggling. He is struggling, and he's hurting, and his heart's in turmoil. And if there's one thing I know tonight, it's that Every single person in this room, if you haven't been there already, I hate to be the pessimistic one tonight to have to burst your bubble, but you will be there at some point. It is going to happen. There's going to be times where you won't know what to do and you will be overwhelmed with problems. 
But I'm not talking about just any place of hurt and heartache tonight, even though we will all find ourselves there. I'm talking about that place where we know, where we know that we've done something wrong. We know that we've done something that God's not pleased with. We know that we've upset the Lord, that we're not right with Him. And even though in this psalm we might not completely understand the circumstances that surround it, and I've done a lot of research and a lot of study, and there really isn't anything that points to why or what he's done, to my knowledge. We don't know what brought about the grief, but we do understand through David's words that are penned, he's hurting here because he's not right with the Lord. He's not right with him. Now what he's done, again, we don't know, but he's not right with God. The wailing cry of anguish because of something that he's done is the tone of this psalm, psalm number 6. So I want you to keep these thoughts in mind as we go through this passage tonight. And I want to pause here again and just clarify some things. This psalm isn't one of those passages that when you figure it out, it's some great epiphany, okay? You're not going to go, oh, that's what it is. That's, that's not what's going to happen here, okay? Okay. Um, Everything in this psalm's pretty black and white, and I don't mean because it's black and white on the page, even though it is, but you understand what I'm saying. It's pretty clear. But I believe there are some things, some vital truths that we can learn tonight from the testimony of David, from his testimony. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. So let's look, if you will, at verses 1 through 7, but we're going to go ahead and start with just the first two verses tonight. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger. Neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. Point number one tonight is this. In the first seven verses, we see David's plea. We see David's plea. He's he's pleading with the Lord. He's pleading with God, basically not to utterly destroy him. That's what he's saying here. Pleading with God not to utterly destroy him. He knows that he's guilty. Now what he's guilty of again, doesn't say. But he knows that he's guilty. He knows that he's, what he's deserving of, but he's asking God for his mercy. He's asking God for his mercy. Mercy. Not getting what we do deserve. That's what David is asking for here. God, pour your mercy out upon me. Don't give me what I know I deserve. That's what he's doing. David knew in his heart that he was deserving of this. God's hot displeasure and his anger. He isn't saying here that he's not deserving of anything. He's just asking for mercy from God. He's asking that God would go easier on him and punish him in love instead of his wrath. Now, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking of growing up. And there were times. There were times. I can, I can think of it as a kid. Um, my dad, we had a 1986 Chevy Caprice Classic. Also known as a land boat. Okay? Big old car. Not as big as the ones they made in the 70s, but it was still pretty big. I, didn't, I thought I had the biggest car on campus until I showed up at college and my roommate, Jeremy Rice, had a 1978 Caprice Classic. His put mine to shame, the size of that thing, let me tell you. 
I mean, you could, you could hit six cars before it would even, like, get close to you at the steering wheel. I mean, it was pretty cool. Anyway, but he had this car, and I noticed on the back fender, there was a little spot of rust. I was probably 13 years old, 12 years old, and I thought, I've watched Dad fix rust spots in cars before. How hard can it be? You just tap out the little rust hole, get your little Bondo, put it on there, mix it up, put it on there, sand it, no problem. So one day I was home by myself. I'm, well, not by myself, outside by myself. My mom was inside. My dad was probably here at the church or somewhere working. And I decided I'm going to fix that fender. So I got out the, the little hammers you use for body work and I began to tap away at it and the rust started chipping out and more rust started chipping out and more rust started chipping out and more rust started chipping out. And before I knew it, the hole went from that to about that. <laughs> um, the problem was dad hadn't asked me to do this. I was doing it on my own. And the hole became huge and now needed a lot of attention. The bigger problem, though, is that he didn't know I was even doing this. He hadn't asked me to do it, and I knew when he found out I was going to be dead. I was going to be dead. You talk about bloodshed behind the woodshed, it was about to happen, all right? And when he came home, the first thing I did was begin to beg for his mercy. I began to beg for his mercy and plead for his mercy. And he didn't even know what I'd done. I hadn't told him yet. When I told him, the hot anger began to show. <clears throat> but I'm thankful that he didn't kill me. I'm still here. Okay? And that he was able to show some mercy on me. And that, that, that's exactly what's going on here. That's what's going on here. It wasn't that David was trying to hide or trying to get out of the punishment for whatever he had done, but he was begging and pleading that the Lord wouldn't give him the entire wrath that he deserved. I wasn't trying to get out of the problem and tell dad, you know, I didn't do it. I don't know how that happened. It just appeared. I wasn't trying to get out of it. I was just asking him not to give me what I deserved, which was probably death. I pretty much ruined the fender of his car. Okay. But David cries out to the Lord here not to rebuke him in anger and not to chasten him in his hot displeasure. Now, as far as I can tell in the research that I've done, that phrase, hot displeasure, is only used twice in all of Scripture. Twice. Once here in Psalm chapter 6, and the next time is in Psalm chapter number 38. So let's turn there. Psalm chapter number 38, and we're going to look at verse number 1. And I want you to hold your place, if you would, in Psalm chapter 6. And if you'd like to, you can flip back and forth, but you'll find that there's only one word that's different in these two verses. Psalm 38, verse 1 says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath. Now that word wrath there is switched out in Psalm 6 for the word anger. Okay? But they can be inter, interchanged there. Okay? Chasten me not in thy hot displeasure. So David is the only one, to my knowledge, that uses this phrase at all. And he's used it twice. Chasten me not in thy hot displeasure. He's asking the Lord to punish him in love and not anger. And I don't know exactly what hot displeasure would be. But I don't want to know. Okay? God's wrath, I don't, I don't want to know what his hot displeasure would entail. I can tell you 
There are other stories I could tell you of my own personal experience where I have experienced the hot displeasure of my dad. It's not fun. But whatever it is that God would do in his hot displeasure would be far worse. And David here doesn't want to experience it. When I think of hot displeasure, there was a few things that that kind of came to my mind. Maybe they've already come to your mind. I, I think of things like maybe Sodom and Gomorrah. Hot displeasure. Or I think of maybe a worldwide flood. Wiping out mankind. Hot displeasure. Or, or I think of maybe the death of the firstborn and the plagues of Egypt. Hot displeasure. All right? So I don't know. Maybe the hot displeasure would be worse. I don't know. But I do know this. David didn't want it. David didn't want it. He continues in verse number 2. He begins to beg and plead for the mercy of God. Look at verse number 2. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. He says he is weak. Now, whatever David's fighting here inside of himself has bothered him so much that it would appear to have taken all his strength from him. Have you ever had something bother you so much or stress you out so much? Or made you worry so much that you just felt depleted? I have. I have. I, in fact, I can honestly tell you, when my dad was displeased with me, it made me feel that way. It made me feel that way. Not to the point, I think, where David was here. But it made me just feel like I'm done. I don't even feel like doing anything right now until that relationship is made right. David's having that here with God. He is, he is weak. It has taken all his strength from him to the point now where his bones are hurting. His bones are hurting. His very physical wellness is now being bothered because of whatever he's done that he knows God doesn't like. Bodily ailment certainly being applied here. Whatever, applied here. whatever he had done, whatever he knew that he'd done to displease the Lord was affecting him so much that his body was weak from the turmoil, clear down to his soul. Look at verse number 3. My soul is also sore vexed. It's very clear that from the first two verses in this seemingly small chapter in Psalms that King David, even though he doesn't specifically specifically tell us what he's done, he's committed some kind of sin against the Lord. And whatever this sin is, it's a big deal to David. It's a big deal to him. It's such a big deal to him that he's in anguish. And he's in turmoil over it to the point that he's essentially asking God not to kill him for what he's done. Hot displeasure. And he's asking God to show mercy on his soul that is weak. It's weak from thinking about it and anguishing over it. So weak, in fact, that his bones are hurting from it. His physical well-being is suffering from it because of how guilty... And bad he feels over whatever it is that he's done. That's what's going on here just in the first few verses. But it's not just his bones. It's clear down to his soul. His soul, his will, his intellect, his emotions. It's all vexed, he says. It's all in agony. In other words, God, this sin that I've committed... I'm so convicted about it and feel so guilty about it that I can't function anymore. That's what he's saying. I can't even function anymore. 
because of what I've done and how guilty I feel. Please just correct me, but do it in love. Not in your hot wrath, not in your hot displeasure, do it in love. Then David goes on at the end of verse 3 to ask this question. O Lord, how long? O Lord, how long? This question, I was curious, how many times is that phrase used in Scripture? Near as I can tell, 120 times that question is asked. O Lord, how long? One being in Revelation chapter 6, verse number 10, and they cried with a loud voice, talking about the martyrs that were under the altar there. You remember that? They cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? How long, O Lord? It's asked there. Psalm 13, David asked it again. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? It's used twice in the same verse. Psalm 90, verse 13. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Now this statement here could mean several things. All of which are kind of sad to think about it. To think about if if you really stop and, and let it sink in. He could be saying this, Lord, how long are you going to be patient with me? Let me ask you a question. How long is the Lord going to be patient with you? Or maybe we should ask God that ourselves. God, how long are you going to be patient with me? And he is patient with us, isn't he? I'm thankful for the patience of God. I'm thankful for the mercy of God. I'm thankful for the grace of God. Everyone in here tonight should be saying amen about that because I'm telling you, if it weren't for the patience, the grace, and the mercy of God, you wouldn't be here tonight. We wouldn't be here. We don't deserve life. God's given us that gift of life. It could mean, how how long, Lord, are you going to look on and just watch me in agony and not help me? You ever thought that before? Lord, I've been in agony over this for a while. And it may not even be sins you're committing. It may be something else. Some job situation or or family situation. I don't know. Have you ever thought, Lord, how long are you going to let this go on? I bet we've all thought that a time or two in our life. It could mean, how long, Lord, will you hide yourself from me? We're going to see that that actually is part of the reason here in just a minute. How long will you be angry with me? I don't know about you, but I don't like it when somebody that I love is angry with me. I don't like that. You might be a big tough guy and say, I don't care, they'll get over it. That's not my attitude. I don't like that. I don't like confrontation. I don't like people upset with me. I I just, I don't. It bothers me. So it could mean that. How long will you be angry with me? Or I thought about this. "How, How long will you let me cry and not hear me? You ever thought that God just doesn't hear you? Truth is, he does hear you. He does. But have you ever been there and asked the Lord that question, how long? How long? Verse number four. David says this, Return, O Lord. Deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. Now by reading this, it would seem that David felt as though the Lord had left him. It would seem that way. God seemed to have withdrawn himself from David, who was mourning over his sin, because David uses the word return. Return. Why would somebody need to return if they hadn't gone somewhere? So it would seem that David is crying out to God here, 
and asking for him to return. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think that there could be a worse feeling than to feel like you've been deserted by God. I don't think there could be a worse feeling than to think you've been or could be deserted by God. That's a horrible thought. That's a horrible feeling. This leads me to think, though, of our lost world around us. Because the lost world around us doesn't even know the Lord. You ever think about that? I can't imagine what life would be like living it without the Lord. I think to myself, even when I'm sick and I can't come to church, it feels weird not to be in church. It's uncomfortable. But that's because I have the Lord in my life and praise the Lord, I grew up in a Christian home. And I've been raised that way and I've never known anything different. And I can't imagine my life without God in it. So if the Lord were to ever leave me, that would be a horrible feeling. But that lost world around us doesn't even know what it's like to have him. The truth is, until someone comes to the place where they realize they're a sinner in need of a savior. And they ask Jesus to forgive them of their sin. To come into their heart and save them. They are going through this life without the Lord. And that's a scary place to be. We need to be telling others about Jesus Christ. We need to be witnessing to those around us because they don't have him. This lost world around us need to know, needs to know that the Lord wants to come into their heart, wants to save them, wants to have that personal relationship with them. The Lord wants to walk with them on a daily basis just like he wants to walk with you on a daily basis. The Lord also wants to walk with us on a daily basis. And to be honest though, I think many, dare I say, most Christians, the majority of Christians today, those that claim to be saved, forget that God wants to have that personal relationship with them on a daily basis. They forget that. They don't even come to church on Sunday. They don't even come to church on Sunday. Much less read their Bible and pray and do the, the elementary things that God wants them to do. They're going through life without being close to the Lord. It's almost like God has left them. But the problem isn't that God has moved. It's that you've moved. You've moved. The truth is, even for the Christian who's walking with God and coming to church and appears to be doing right, when we're living in our sin with no repentance, we're living our lives with a division between us and God. When we're living in that sin and we're not confessing it to God and we're not getting right with Him on a daily basis, we are living our lives separated from God. And that's not the way God intended it to be. That's not the way God wants it. That relationship then isn't what it should be and there's a separation. But again, it's important to note that God isn't the one who moved. You are. I am. And that's what David is feeling here. That's what David is feeling here. It would seem that God had left him, but he knew that it was himself that had been doing the wrong. And he wanted to make it right. He wanted to make it right. So he continues to cry out in the end of verse 4 when he says, Deliver my soul, O save me for thy mercy's sake. To read this would almost make it seem as though he felt that he was dying. Like he was dying. And he might have been feeling like he was dying inside because he couldn't take... This, this feeling that he was having anymore, the fact that David appealed to the mercy of God for deliverance was evidence that he was aware that he did not deserve it. Just the very fact 
that he would go to God and appeal for God's mercy is evidence that David knew he didn't deserve God's mercy, but he was asking him for it. You and I don't deserve God's mercy. And that's something we need to be asking God for on a daily basis. Because let me tell you what, we do sin on a daily basis. We do things God's not pleased with on a daily basis. Sometimes not even realizing we're doing it because it it can be even a habit, unfortunately. None of us are deserving of the mercies of God. We should be thanking Him every day for them. Look at verses 5 through 7. For in death there is no remembrance of thee, and the grave who shall give thee thanks. I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. And there's enemies as mentioned there. We'll get to that here in a moment. But in verse 5, David then makes a case for his life when he declares that in the grave there's silence. In the grave, there's silence. But if God would just spare his life, if God would just not kill him, he would continue to praise him and continue to thank him for all that he's done for him. Can I just tell you tonight, while we're living, let us remember that we're only here because we're spared by the grace of God. Just like David is asking to be spared by the mercy and grace of God, let me tell you something. You're only here tonight because you're spared by the mercy and grace of God. And we need to be doing all that we can while we're here on earth to praise and thank the Lord, first of all, for our salvation. You should thank Him for that salvation every single day. And thank Him for the grace and the mercy that He shows on us every single day. Others also need to see this in our lives, don't they? They need to see this through our testimony so that they might also be drawn to the Savior. Verse number 6, he continues with how much sorrow he's had. His his body is weary, it's worn out because of his continual groaning and lack of sleep. I mean, he uses the phrase there, all night long he's been crying. I, I don't believe I've ever cried all night long straight through. Maybe some here have. I don't believe I've ever had that happen. But I can only imagine in the times that I've cried for a long time, my eyes get to hurting. You know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, you just cry for a while and your eyes begin to hurt. In verse number 7, David says that he's so sleepless and filled with grief that it's now begun to affect his eyesight. It's begun to affect his eyesight. The word consume there literally means that his eye has begun to sink in because he's been crying so much. Maybe they're swollen, puffy, sinking in. They're becoming dim, he says. They're waxing old as an old man. He's losing his eyesight because he's been crying so much He's struggling to see. I can tell you just from personal experience that I've, I've, I've had trouble seeing before after crying so much. It, it's like everything becomes dim. You're looking through a cloudiness. And I can only imagine that's what's going on here. C.H. Uh, Spurgeon said this about, about this verse. He says, As an old man's eye grows dim with years, so says David, My eye is grown red and feeble through weeping. That's what's going on here with David. Now, I want to stop here for a minute. We're going to make a little application. Then we're going to get into the very last part of this, and it's going to go quick, I promise. Okay. But I think we can look at what we've looked at so far in two ways. In two ways. 
We can either say this. Wow. I literally wrote that in my notes, by the way. Wow. This sin, it must be a big one. Because David's really convicted about it. I mean, what in the world did he do? Well, again, the Bible doesn't say what the sin was. We can speculate all day long, but we don't know. Now, it could have been something really big. It could have. But let us not forget this. David, God said, was a man after God's own heart. God himself called him that, and he did it for a reason. And I personally think it's because of this. Because no matter what the sin was, if it came between him and the God that he loved, it bothered him. It bothered him. You see, we tend to classify sin. We tend to say, oh, well, it wasn't that big of a deal. Now, I understand there can be different punishments for sin. I get all that. I mean, you go out and murder somebody, there's going to be a different punishment than if you stole a loaf of bread from the store. I get all that. But in God's eyes, sin is sin. And any sin separates us from God. And David didn't like that. Because he was a man after God's own heart. And that brings me to the second way we can look at this. And I think probably the way that we should look at it. God does look upon sin as sin. And you and I should be just as convicted as David is here in this text about anything that we do that goes against God and His Word. Anything. From the biggest thing to the smallest thing, it's all sin in God's eyes. And we want to sit back and say, God, we love you. And we want to sit back and say, well, we could be called a man or woman after God's own heart. But how many times do we do things and we just leave it there and we don't ever get it right with God? David wanted it right with God. Whether it was big or whether it was small, that's why he could be called a man after God's own heart. And this sin that we commit, it puts distance between us and God. It greatly hinders our walk with God. And I think as Christians, our problem is we spend a whole lot of time trying to justify our sin and why we do the things that we do instead of being sorry about them, getting on our face before God about them and getting them right with Him. We try and justify it away that, well, God, well, it's okay. No, it's not. As Christians today, we're way too comfortable in our sin. I'm going to quote my preacher. He can get real quiet in here if he wants to, but that's just the truth. We're way too comfortable in our sin. The problem with that is that living with unconfessed sin keeps us apart from God. And, and as we continue going on walking through life, we're walking through life when we're separated from God without Him. And that bothered David. Why doesn't it bother you? Why doesn't it bother me? It bothered David so much that he cried all night long and his eyes hurt from it. When's the last time you wept over your sin like that? Now I'm preaching to myself too. I've already 
been before God with this. I promise you. I'm not trying to preach down to anybody now. I'm just saying, when is the last time as Christians we got on our face before God and we're really that upset about how we live our lives, even in the littlest things? It doesn't have to be a big thing. We're too comfortable. We go through life separated from God, whether we want to admit it or not. We're not as close to Him as we should be. And that's a very scary and lonely place to be. And that's what's going on with David right here. You can say what you want about David, always going to God and always crying, but David wanted to keep his heart right before God. He wanted to keep that right relationship with God. He wanted to walk close to God. So that bears the question tonight, what do you want? What do we want? Do we want that? Really? We also see at the end of verse number 7 that he's not only crying because he knows that he hasn't been right with the Lord, but also because of his enemies. At the end of verse number 7, it waxeth, my eye waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Now these are most likely the same enemies that he's been dealing with in the previous chapters. Okay? This would be his son Absalom, all the wicked men that followed him um, in an attempt they were trying to steal the kingdom away from David. Their conduct had been such as to bring upon David the overwhelming sorrow that he had felt over the last several chapters. And no doubt his heart would still have been broken over this and their sins and what they're doing. Let me just tell you something. Some of you in here tonight, I know you have children that are wayward. My parents have had one that is wayward. I've had several over the years. And I can tell you, being the youngest in my family and growing up and seeing their hurt over that, it isn't something that goes away overnight. It isn't even something that goes away over years. Sometimes it, go, it never goes away, depending on if they get right with God or not. David here, there's no doubt he was still hurting over his son Absalom. He loved him. He was his son, his flesh and blood. And so when, when he speaks here of crying over this, yes, I do believe this was part of the problem, although not the whole problem. Because you see, when we have sin that's unconfessed and we find ourselves away from the Lord, we find ourselves separated from that relationship, that close walk with the Lord, isn't it true that all the other problems and things we face in our life seem to be magnified at that time as well? It's like, it's like I'm away from God and I know I'm not right with God and now everything else is compounded on me as well and it's, I, I don't have the Lord and His strength to help me like I had before so it's all overwhelming me. That's what David's dealing with right here. I believe that's what he's dealing with. He wasn't right with God in the first place and he just, so Lord, my enemies too, he just throws it in there because everything's starting to compound on him. Can I just tell you tonight that our enemy, Satan, when we're not close with God, he begins to get us down. He begins to get you down with discouragement, with depression, with horrible thoughts. He begins to um, just keep you in in a spot where you can't serve God like you want to or should be doing. And every little thing begins to affect you. So what's the answer to all this mess that we find ourselves in? Well, it's to do what David does here in our text and for us to get on our face. Get on our face before the Lord. Call out to Him over even the littlest things that we think are small, but they're not small in His eyes. Ask Him to forgive us. Genuinely come before Him. Ask Him to forgive us where we failed Him. In the biggest or the smallest of things, we need to be asking daily for the Lord's forgiveness for His continued favor on our lives so that our walk with the Lord can be restored 
and we can have close fellowship with him like we once had. That's what David's doing here. Lord, make things right between you and me. Please don't kill me. <laughs> I know I'm wrong, and, it, and it's really bothering me. And everything's balling up right now. It's just becoming a big mess. God, forgive me of my sin. I want that right fellowship with you. I want that close walk with you. God, how long before you answer my prayer? Lord, will you please answer my prayer? Don't stay distant from me. Lord, I've moved, but I'm going to move back. That's what he's saying. As we do this, we can be assured that our Heavenly Father who loves us, he'll answer our prayers. He'll answer our prayers. Just as David was confident that he would answer his prayers, you can be confident he'll answer yours. David's expected answer. We find that in verses 8 through 10. An expected answer to a merciful plea. Look at verse number 8. Depart from me. <laughs> we have a whole mindset change here. Okay, Just like I said from the beginning... Even though David cries it all out, he always comes to God in the end. And he says here, Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard my voice of weeping, uh, the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them be the ones that are hurting. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. Beginning in verse 10, we see a very sudden change of tone. This change is very characteristic of the Davidical Psalms. It is. We'll see it as we go through all of them. As in, as in all of the other psalms we've gone through thus far, David always seems to get the victory over what he's facing. Why does he get that victory? Because he genuinely pours out his heart before the Lord. Every single time, that's what he does. And he's confident that the Lord will answer his prayer. David knows that he has offered his prayer, and he's so certain of its acceptance that he's prayed fervently and sincerely. He is certain that this prayer has been heard and it's been accepted. He's so convinced that this prayer has been heard that he literally repeats himself three times. Three times. Look there at the end of verse number 8. For the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. Immediately in verse 9, the Lord hath heard my supplication. And then the Lord will receive my prayer. David expresses his own confidence in verse 8 and in verse 9. And this assurance has given him the courage... To face his enemies in verse number 8 and 10. And say to them, depart from me. You know why all of a sudden he has the strength back? Because he has God back with him. That's why he has his strength back. He's moved back to where his relationship with God is right. And his strength has returned. And now he has the confidence and the courage to say to his enemies, depart from me. His pain has turned into comfort. His sorrow has turned into joy. Why? Because he knows his prayers have been heard. He knows they've been answered. And now he can find relief for his body and strength for his soul. That's exactly what has happened here with David. You know what I find this to be? Another great example of the power of prayer. It's just another great example of the power of prayer. When your body and your soul are in anguish because of sin, take it to the Lord. I say that again. When your body and your soul are in anguish because of the sins that are in your life and you may know about them, but you've been hiding them and keeping them, take it to the Lord. He's loving. He's compassionate. He's a God who's willing to grant mercy 
to his children, and he will do so. Maybe you're here tonight, and you know that there's things that aren't right between you and God. You know. Nobody else does, but you know. You need to follow the example of David. You need to pour out your heart to him. You need to ask him for forgiveness. But let's be honest. We all really need to do this on a daily basis. Because we fail God every single day in some way or another. At some time, every single day, every one of us need to be on our face before God. Whether it's at an altar or a church service or whether it's in your prayer closet at home. Asking God to forgive you for where you failed him. And if you can think of specifics, be specific. Be specific, because he already knows anyway. We need to do everything that we can as saved believers to keep that relationship with God as close as we can to him. Because that's what he desires. And that's what we should desire. David knew this. He knew this. A man after God's own heart. And it may have been something big, it may have been something small, but he wanted to make it right. Then and only then can we experience the true joy that comes from the Lord and the strength that comes from Him. Once you have fervently and sincerely prayed and asked the Lord for forgiveness and have the expectance that David did, that God heard him and that he had forgiven him, now he could move on in the Lord's strength once again. David received the expected answer from his merciful plea, and you and I can as well, if we'll get before the Lord and ask him to forgive us. So what about you tonight? Is there anything you need to get right with God? Maybe you haven't been before the Lord in a long time and asked him to forgive you just for failing him on a day-to-day basis. Or maybe there's something tonight you can think of specifically in your heart and in your life that you know God's not pleased with this. He's not pleased with this. And I'm going through life without him because I'm separated from him. That's a scary place to be, Christian. That's a scary place to be. Whatever it is tonight, you can expect an answer when you go to him with a merciful plea. And he will answer your prayers because he loves you. He loves you. Let's bow our heads together tonight. Father, again, we thank